thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran. Hello and welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I am your host, Vincent Aiello, call sign Jello, and you need to strap in pretty tight this week because I'm changing it up on you, introducing a whole new style of show. Now, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you likely heard me mention before the musings, as I call the blog on our website, fighterpilotpodcast.com. Well, we have over 30 articles there. Most are written by yours truly, but many were penned by guest authors, including former guests of the show, Kevin Miller and Mike Terrielde. And the catalog of musings covers a wide variety of topics, from attending air shows to aviation photography to Top Gun lore, even self-help articles related to best practices for military aviators. And secondly, you may have heard me mention on more recent episodes that I am now trying to keep a weekly pace going, at least for the audio version of the show. Well, call me a little slow because only recently did I have the epiphany that, well, A, this is in fact the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Two, not everyone has the time or inclination to sit down at a computer and read a 1,500-word article. And D, audiobooks are increasing in popularity. So why not read my musings here on the show? Now, these won't be long episodes, but that's okay. If you missed the musing on our website, now you can listen to them here beginning this week with an article from December 2022 titled, How to Succeed in Flight School? Don't ask me. Here we go. Hey Jello, I've been listening to your show for years and I'm excited to announce that I was just selected for flight school. I can't wait to get started and want to do my best. Do you have any pointers for how to succeed in flight school? Whether by email, phone message, or social media, variants of the above question are frequently posed to the show, and understandably so. These young women and men have just achieved a monumental milestone that will alter the remainder of their lives. And doing well in flight school will afford them the best chance to end up in the platform of their dreams, whether that be fighters, bombers, helicopters, what have you. So the question is a natural one and posing it to me a logical one. After all, I am the purveyor of a military aviation-themed podcast. But what's the best way to succeed in flight school? My short answer is, I don't know. I say so because I went to flight school in the early to mid-1990s, long before those asking were even born. And in the three decades since, really just in the past few years, it seems like, technological advancements and more nuanced studies of human performance have changed how we both think and execute teaching and learning. Computer speeds have improved. The internet continues to grow and allows access to almost unlimited information, and virtual and augmented reality affords high-fidelity practice, even at home. I had none of that. But I did succeed in flight school in so much as I was assigned the platform of my dreams, the FA-18 Hornet. And although technology has changed, the people using that technology are still human. So here then are not necessarily the best ways to succeed in flight school but rather what I did to ensure my own success. Number one, go fly. 
My parents were not pilots, and we were not of the means for me to afford full-on flight lessons as a young man, but I sought and found other ways to gain basic aviation experience. My brothers and I built remote control model airplanes out of balsa wood that we flew and crashed in the fields behind our home. I offered to wash airplanes at the local airport in exchange for rides, and I read books, watched movies, and tried to learn whatever I could about flight. These experiences benefited me when I performed pretty well, actually, on the aviation portion of an aptitude test at a Marine Corps recruiter's office early in my college years while still looking for a way in the door, any door. But I wish I had had more actual flying experience so my stomach would have been more accustomed to the banks and turns, bumpy air, and less than 1G flight routinely encountered. I became airsick on my very first T-34 flight in primary and came close on the second flight. I progressively got better as the syllabus went on, but the nausea diminished my experience as well as my performance, and even worse, it allowed doubt to creep in. More flight experience would have alleviated that nuisance. Number two, get or stay in shape. I personally have, for the most part, been blessed with pretty good health and fitness, partly due to genetics, but also thanks to an active lifestyle. Now, it's pretty commonly known that being in shape improves endurance and energy, it reduces the likelihood of illness, it improves recovery from illness and injury. So exercising and eating right, yeah, they take time and effort, but the benefits are well worth it. If you're not already in shape, get in shape. And if you are, stay in shape. Number three, simplify your life. For the three years I was in flight school, I did not have a pet, a second job, a day trading account although I don't think those existed then anyway, or really much else. I deliberately simplified my life as much as I could so I could focus solely on training. And even when I met an amazing woman while out with friends on St. Patrick's Day 1993, just months before I was to begin training, well, we dated, but I told her I would be married to flight school for the next several years. Thankfully, that woman waited on me and 2023 marked our 25th year of marital bliss. But of course, Beth never misses an opportunity to tease me about those first five years. In the end, though, it all worked out for both of us. Number four, prepare. My fellow UCLA and ROTC alumni were in flight school ahead of me, for the most part, and I would often ask many of them what it was like, where they struggled, and what they wished they knew before they started. Then I took that information to heart, as well as their invitations to join them after hours in the T-34 simulator to become as familiar as I possibly could be with the syllabus and the T-34, which would also be my first trainer. I wanted to remove as many surprises as possible and remove the uncertainty by becoming knowledgeable on the syllabus and the common pitfalls they experienced. Number five, practice, practice, practice. The T-34 landing pattern, I later found out, was very busy. Pilots were expected to fly a prescribed track over the ground at precise altitudes and airspeeds while configuring the aircraft for landing at a particular point and then making standardized radio calls, which alone were new and foreign to me, and reference that first point, go fly. It was a lot to take in, even though I had prepared for it by asking the pilots ahead of me per that previous point I just mentioned. So I practiced, and I practiced. I made 3x5 index cards with standard and emergency procedures, limitations, and prohibited maneuvers, and then I studied those cards in the car, as safely as I could, that is, on the john, and wherever, really. And when the T-34 landing pattern threatened to overwhelm me with its difficulty, 
I set up a chair in my living room. I grabbed two soup ladles from the kitchen. I put on my flight helmet skull cap. Uh, Don't ask. And then I imagined myself flying the pattern over and over, saying out loud the altitudes and airspeeds, gear and flat positions, making simulated radio calls in what we call chair flying. Well, Beth snickered at me, but she later quizzed me with those flashcards, and she was a real trooper. Beth probably knew more about the T-34 than I did. Number six, do your best. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that some people just make everything look easy, and frankly, they annoy me because nothing ever seemed to come easy to me. Well, on the other hand, I don't know what it looked like from the other side, so perhaps to others, I did appear squared away. But regardless, I did my best and learned to be at peace with the talents that God had bestowed on me, or not. And sure, I wanted to be the best, but doing my best was all I could control. And by preparing and practicing, per those previous points, I ensured I did. Number seven, take setbacks in stride. All right, well, let me caveat number six. I did my best for the most part. Sometimes I just flat screwed up, like oversleeping on my early morning first T-34 familiarization flight. Yes, the very first flight. Or when I received a down later in intermediates for my utter inability to land the T-2. And by the way, does that sound familiar? I had struggles in the T-34. By the time I got to the T-2, we had to do all the same procedures, but then fly the jet on speed, as it's called, as if landing on the carrier. And I was just terrible at it. And then continuing another time in A4s during the weapons phase, I nearly got a down just for, frankly, having a bad attitude. But that's another story. Setbacks, failures, do-overs, whatever you call them, they suck. No doubt about it. But unless you are a water walker, these shortcomings are to be expected and handled graciously. We're not perfect, try as we might, at least I'm not. And I found that beating myself up only created a graveyard spiral that was difficult to recover from. It usually took a day of cursing and kicking a dog I didn't have before I finally gave myself the grace I needed to pick myself up and do my best on the next endeavor. They say, learn from the past and move forward. Well, I didn't catch that right away, but eventually I did and I tried. Eighth and finally, maintain a healthy life balance. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't all study all the time. I had an active existence outside of flight school. I exercised regularly, as stated earlier, and my college buds and girlfriend and I, we went out most weekends. We would water ski or hang out on the beautiful Pensacola beaches. We'd watch football in the fall and barbecue in the summer and generally celebrate life as only the young do. It was one of my fondest times, and those fun days really made the less fun, harder study days and early mornings and late nights just that much more tolerable. I truly believe maintaining a balanced life was as much a part of my success as the other seven points listed. So, how do you succeed in flight school in the early 2020s? Well, it beats me, but that's how I did it in the early to mid-1990s, and while technology and the flight training syllabus has surely changed, we're still human. I bet most of these pointers still apply. All right, well, that's it for this audio musing. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to provide feedback on this idea or this particular article, you can message this show on any one of our social media channels or email questions at fighterpilotpodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. So long. Thanks. 
thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran.